You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Superhero Education Podcast. You have Eugene and Steve here. Steve, how you doing? Doing well. Doing well. And we want to uh, tell our listeners, we appreciate you listening on Spotify and Apple. And if there's other outlets that you want us to put us on that uh, that we could do, hey, we'll definitely do it. But we have like a really, really exciting topic for you guys this week. And it's actually a theme to a conference that I'm hosting this weekend. So the, the theme of this show is overcoming barriers. And we all have barriers in our life, personally, professionally. But in this case, barriers from an educational standpoint. And, and, and Steve, I don't know how you feel about this, but the best educators all the way up and down the line from teacher's assistant, teacher, assistant principal, principal, school secretary, engineer, the cafeteria, staff, the best of the best. They're skillful, but they also work around and figure out how to work through barriers. Is that what you've seen in they your ab- career? They absolutely have to, to be effective. They absolutely have to, because the barriers won't go away. There'll always be various barriers for people, but they they absolutely find a way to break down the barrier, overcome the barrier, so that they can, they can be successful. So I, I agree with that. I think they, the question, the first question is, what's the biggest professional barrier that you have? And that's important for you to reflect on as a listener. And then we're going to talk about what, what our biggest professional barriers are in education. So let's, let's just start right there. Like the biggest barrier or barriers that we have had professionally in education. And I'm going to give you two. And one was right before being professional. And then one is something I just still battle from the first day of teaching all the way to now. Um, like the one right before being an edu- in, uh, a professional educator was when my guidance counselor told me my senior year, don't go to college. And that was a real tricky situation for me because the rule in our house was if the school official said it, it must be true. So at that point, you know, I felt inadequate. Uh, I felt I wasn't smart. I felt I was dumb. I felt like college was for others because I couldn't understand why my counselor told me do not go to college and this is after I had college acceptance letters so when you have sometimes individuals and we were just talking about before we went online here we were talking about Kobe like sometimes people have chips on their shoulders and it's not manufactured it's like really real so I've like had that chip on my shoulder for a long time of um, never wanting to be the person that destroyed someone's dream and always highlighting the best in the person, always pushing someone to chase their dream. So like the, like the first barrier was just when she told me, don't go to college. And I don't know if the listeners out there, if that's ever happened to you, um, but it, it truly altered my world. And this is just like a funny, quick story about that. And then I know you want to comment about so that. So how do you, how do you overcome that barrier? Oh, so man, somebody it's... tells you, what age were you? 
I overcame that barrier probably seven months later. So you were in high school? I was in high school. It was my senior year. So how do you overcome that? I'm getting ready to tell you. So uh, in August, all my friends went to college, whether it was in-state or out-of-state. I said, you know what? I'm not college material. I'm going to work for the rest of my life. And I got a call this first week in September from MATC. I'll never forget it. And they were like, hey. Um, a technical college. Local te technical, technical college. Technical college. Got a call from MATC. They say, hey, uh, you need to come down here and finish and complete your paperwork so you can go to class next week. And I said, wait a minute. No, I, I didn't sign up for nobody's college. Um, um, I, this must be a mistake. You must have me confused with someone else. Long story short, um, I have an aunt who worked there at the time, signed me up for courses. So she kind of forced me to take a couple courses just to stay active. I'll never forget it. Now fast forward to October, middle of the semester, and it was a math class I was in. And after class ended, there was a white gentleman. I'll, I'll never forget his face. I don't know his name. He pulled me to the side and said, why are you here? He said, you're the youngest person in the room. Everyone here has made huge mistakes in their life, and we're trying to overcome them right now, and we may not be able to overcome them. And then he said to me, you are smarter than all of us. You need to push harder in life. I don't know this guy. If he walked into the room right now, I wouldn't know it was him. But at that moment, life changed for me, and I said, I can do it. So to answer your question, it was at that moment when that gentleman asked me, like, why are you here? You don't need to be here. And in a sense, and I, don't, I don't know how to say this where it doesn't come off wrong, but in a sense, he was saying, you're better than being right here right now. There's no slight to anybody at MATC, but that's just what the, but that is literally what the young, that's literally what the man told me. So that's when it changed for me. So you you had a uh, it shows a the moment. power of a moment. of a, a mentor a person that's he wasn't even a mentor he, but it's somebody that that see that saw the potential in you so it, it goes to the power of of really being vocal to those we see uh, because we could be that person affirming. that's that's affirming that's a mentor that's giving a positive word and that direction is going to uh, be life changing for for others. I think that's uh, that's powerful and what we can do for others around us. I see a barrier when I think a professional uh, barrier. I always think about governance as a, as a barrier. I always think of teachers out there being creative, being curious, uh, helping students be creative. And then there's these barriers of, of governance where I think that it gets in schools that it takes it outside the classroom where the teacher cannot be able to do their job effectively. And and one example of that I think is is maybe not having the resources, maybe not having um, you're managing a whole class and you need a little support with assistant principal, you need support with the dean of students, and you're not getting that. Or there's policies in place that uh, say we're going to do more more testing today and more and more testing and more and more mandates. And I think that governance can be really frustrating for teachers um, as they get into, uh, as they try to do the work that they need to with their students. Um, example of this, I think uh, happens when I, when I think about governance and the restrictions and the barriers. 
I think about a personal story, and I think what when I was teaching, I was teaching fifth grade, fifth grade in the, in the city, and what I was working with my students is is making sure they had experiences outside the classroom. So we'd go on field trips once a month. We would do bring in uh, guest speakers. So trying to see that how do we connect the content to the real world, and the barrier I saw at that time was just the, the mandates all the time on on testing and we know testing we have to do a certain test I think that's important to uh, to show the data and show growth but I'm talking excess of we had this the state test which which was a week we had school test that they wanted to do an additional uh, based on the, with the computer for another two weeks and then we also had some other testing that was mandated by the district that took another week so we had in all testing we had up to four weeks of the year just with testing and what that is is a huge barrier for students and their and their learning and the capability to learn so I think that's a that was a barrier that that was difficult and how, how do you overcome that as a teacher that's that's a very difficult one because you may not have the power to control so what what I felt how I overcame that barrier professional barrier the governance of, of certain mandates that your school may set on you as a teacher I, I found out to really um, give extra energy and attention to the classroom to the learning to the students to show them that we're going to do this we're going to do this faithfully in this case faithfully do the test and get excited about it and then really uh, put a lot more energy into the other part the uh, the idea of energy and excitement into the learning and then what happened is students would understand we're, we have to do some of these mandates but that's really not our our ultimate purpose or goals as a school Steve um, when 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 you were describing that as a fifth grade teacher at that point in your life were you more concerned about state tests or state assessments or the assessments that you were given that you made up as the teacher like which hold which held more value to you at that time sure always the value was the ones that i created personalized for our own class i think again i think you do need to do certain testing isn't bad the problem is when it's when it's so much focus on the outside stakeholders and and state mandates that that really uh, destroys what's going on in in the classroom and, and the joy of learning. Okay. Now, now, Steve, I can't let you get off this easy, and this may go to a different show, but I was surprised you didn't tell the story about a local politician not supporting without giving the name, sure, but, but sure. a local politician not supporting your school, and that was her big thing of supporting schools in the urban environments. So maybe that's for another show. Just a little teaser. But I'm surprised that wasn't your barrier. I think that's a good uh, that's a good next show on politics influencing oh. our education. Yeah, write that down. That's a good one. Okay, uh, I, I'll just give you another barrier before um, we move on to uh, just barriers that Steve and myself see in in urban Milwaukee, urban Chicago, um, different cities we travel, things we're seeing in schools. But but another barrier. That, that I had, um, and, and, and it's a personal one, and I had it then, and I still had it now, I felt the need, or feel the need, 
to always have to prove myself as a black male educator. Like I feel like I have to do some things different that maybe Steve, you don't have to do just to be on the same level. And maybe that's real and maybe that's fake, but I've always felt the pressure to like, well, am I really valued or am I here just to handle the boys that no one else can handle or or do you really value me as an educator? Like am I am I a fixer or am I or am I an educator? So that's always also mm. been like in 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 the back of my mind. And and hopefully I get to a point one day where I don't feel like I got to do four times as much as the next person, but that that has always been uh, a barrier in the past that just has never went away. So mm-hmm. I just want to throw that one in there. Yeah, that's real. And that's that's what you're feeling and do you feel it's been projected to you overtly? Comments have been made or is that just well, what you're feeling? It's probably a, a little bit of both. It's like, like okay, we could take race off, it, off of it too. Like just being a male educator. There are some things, Steve, that get pointed to you because you're a male and that the other teacher down the hall will never have to deal with. And, and so... But you're saying you feel that. See, I don't feel that as a male. You don't feel that as a male? I, don't well, see, feel, I feel that as a male, I too. Don't, I don't feel that as a male. I've never felt that I as a male. I got a double negative happening this way. <laughs> I got, I, I'm black and I'm a male. Like, like it's, it's, I feel like I'm... I feel like... Here's the best way to put it. I feel like you're on stage when you don't want to be on stage. See, I, I don't see that as a male. I always looked at it as a benefit. I always would go, that's a benefit. And it's a benefit to be a, a black male educator. And it's a benefit to be a male educator. It's a benefit to be a female. I think it's that diversity of that's important. So I never felt uh, I never felt that as a male educator. That's interesting that that's what you feel. So that, that may make you better at, at times as you try to yeah, overcome there's, there's that barrier. There's a turn on button and there's never a turn off button. And, and, and sure. being on all the time, it's like a battery. You can get drained. That makes as long sense. as the battery's charged, you're all good. That makes sense. All right, so let's go to like let's let's switch gears a little bit to like current barriers that we see. Um, like for me, pe- like in this area of the world, there's like a huge divide and rift between public and private schools. There's a huge rift between urban and suburban schools, and to be quite honest and frank with the listeners out here one of the biggest barriers I see I see it in all of them like they all struggle with this public private urban suburban uh, elementary middle high school university level it's just engagement of students like a lot of a lot of educators they're not properly engaging students which leads to lower academic achievement, whether it's on a state assessment, whether it's on a local assessment, whether it's on classroom assignments, whether it's on understanding, I see a huge breakdown just in engagement. And we get we get caught up in this mix of, of public and private, urban and suburban, where basically engagement is the issue, regardless of whatever platform you're on. So that's something that I see and it bothers me. It drives me crazy. I sit in some classes and it bores me to death. Um, and so I can only imagine what a teenager or an elementary kid is going through. So that's one I see that just is just destroying education is, is pure engagement uh, of the learner. 
so seven hours a day with the students, but they're there, but they're not learning because they're not engaged is what you're saying. Absolutely. And like the world has changed, the way students learn has changed. And just standing behind a, a sheet of paper, yeah, I need you to turn to page 42 and answer question one, and I'm going to read this to you. Like no one learns like that anymore. Yeah. Like ele kindergarten, ele from daycare to elementary to middle to high school to universities, and, and, and where it comes out on a university level is someone who can't teach without their PowerPoint. Like, so engagement is a real thing that I see that's just lacking in the education world. No, I think that's, I think that's a great point. And what, what happens then, we educators supplement with videos and other uh, bells and whistles, but they may not add to your content or engagement just because you're using some technology. Mm -hmm. It may not it may not further your objective or your outcomes, but you feel that's your engagement piece. So that's what's very difficult uh, for people. I think another uh, uh, barrier that would be very important would be to think about is what I see is the scripted curriculum. What I, what I sense is happening, and I've seen it, is schools are turning to a, trying to simplify through a scripted format. So I don't, Teaching is complex. It's very tough. Uh, teachers are, our great teachers are coming and going. It's very hard for them to, to uh, recruit and get the best. So I'm going to script everything. So I'm going to give you this, what I want you to teach. It kind of goes to, uh, Eugene, what you're talking about with engagement. I'm going to give you a very uh, scripted program, and I want you to teach this. So I'm paying a company thousands of dollars, they're going to come with this great packaged curriculum, and all I need you to do is read what it says, ask these questions, get responses from students, hand them these worksheets. So what it does is it removes from the, from the education world any personalized learning, any creativity, any kind of uh, joy of learning, and it's just, and the idea is anybody can teach, just give them this curriculum, and I think that's a huge barrier for our schools today, and something we have to push against. I should have said that because I totally 100% agree with you. I know we've talked on and offline before about, you know, all these chants and props and all that stuff. But actually, people actually teach like that too with these scripts that you're talking about. I was in a school last week. We have a, we have a live audience right now of uh, individuals in the room with us right now. But this young lady was in the, the room and the way they taught reading, and I don't want to say the school's name, but the way they taught reading, it was so scripted that there was no flexibility on the teacher side and there was no yeah. flexibility on the student side. And so when you script so severe, there's a lot of assumptions that A, the student is already on level. What happens when the student is on a third grade reading level and you're scripting at a first grade reading level. So this young lady right here may be on a third grade level. This one right here may not be able to decode. So when you script at such a high level, you lose the flexibility. Also, along with the scripting, what just, oh God, I'm gonna get in trouble for this one. So I hope, I want everybody to listen to this, just not this person. The speed of the script, I mean, this was little kids. It was boom, 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 boom. It was like it was a treadmill. And you can see the kids trying to process. 
And so that scripting you described often is a way of having classroom management, which me and you both, I don't even need to ask your opinion on this Classroom management issues? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is more of controlling. We're going to have something for you to do literally at every millisecond. We're not going to give you a chance to breathe. Correct. That's the consequence of what you just said. Correct, and and I think there's a there's a fear if we if we if we don't have this this scripted curriculum, uh, the students are going to get out of control. They're going to misbehave, and if we don't have this, if we do have this scripted curriculum, we can just input whatever person in front of these these students, and they'll be effective. And we know that's totally wrong. We know that we need high-performing teachers. We know that it's very complex in education, and it's very messy, and you cannot just go to a scripted uh, plan. So I think, I think that's a huge barrier that our schools are, are facing right now, and, and really that teachers are facing. So how do you overcome that? It takes someone with some guts to say, hey, we need some teachable moments. It takes someone with some guts to say, hey, there's other ways of getting to the end goal other than just this aggressive scripting. Like, um, and it takes a person with confidence to actually pull it off in the teacher's world. Um, and it takes a person who knows their students really well that she may learn this way, but she don't. And if we just do this, we're leaving her behind. And I think educators, if I was in that situation um, and I was told I had to do this, I think a I think what you're talking about is gathering some data and saying is this uh, here's where we're missing some students because of this and maybe you could influence uh, the decision makers or if you're stuck in that situation and there's no no way out of not doing the scripted curriculum at the time I think you would have to personalize it wherever you could I think you'd have to have to pause and say I have to use this but how do I continue to personalize this for students for the sake of the students so that you you can show growth and you can show the love of learning. Because what we do is we, we eliminate the love of learning or the joy of lifelong learning because, again, it's, it, it won't, we don't learn that way in, in, as we get older, and it's just a very artificial format. Totally 100% agree with you. And, and maybe it's also having a, a, a courageous conversation with your school leaders, uh, your, your building administration, to say, hey, like, this is this, is, this not... Um, uh, cutting, uh, making it's just not making the mark. All right, so let's let's just slide down now to our last one, in which is what do we see as the biggest barrier in education moving forward ten years from now? And I have the big, I have two, I have two, ten years from now. That I think if you put this in the archive and play this ten years from now, I think you'll see this. Number one, mental health. Um, at the time where me and you were coming up in our careers, mental health really wasn't a thing thing. It was more of a special ed thing. But knowing what we know now, mental health is huge. And it doesn't affect uh, just special ed. It doesn't affect... Just students in poverty. It doesn't affect just males or females. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't affect just your higher achievers or the ones that have more areas of growth. It affects everybody, from the student all the way to the building principal. There's so many students and educators that are struggling with their mental health. Some know it, some don't know it. That 
If you stop time and fast forward to 10 years, I'm sure this will be number one on the list. So how do we overcome that barrier? Because we're seeing that now and we'll continue to see it, I agree. So how do, you, how do we overcome that barrier? Well, there's a couple things and I'm gonna pass it back to you. It's like what you're actually doing too. Um, but number one, we gotta have these honest talks. We gotta take the stigma out of it. We have to share. Um, I share with my students my mental health challenges or things that I go through for stress or whatever. And they share with me and we form, we hold each other accountable. Like we actually talk about it because for, for so many, we hold it in. So I'm, I'm really big on having a filter in and a filter out. What gets us in trouble is we just keep filtering in and it gets heavier and it gets heavier and it gets heavier and then we break down or snap off. Collective action like that's very important. I think that's, that's a, there's a healing in that. There's a, there's a positive reaction to that. I also think there's, avenues or we can do some self-help and work on breathing techniques work on relaxation techniques meditation uh, just getting those quiet times to uh, to get the self-help that we can and monitor ourselves now I gotta I gotta do them I gotta do this because dr. dr. Gurner Steve Steve won't do this Steve was on the other side of his microphone is the industry leader in the conversation we have right now he just implemented on a university level something substantial. Steve, tell us about it. Well, that that's a good that's a good intro right there. But uh, oh, look at that smile. Look at that smile, yeah, Steve. Right. Look at it. That's right. That's right. Uh, what what we're doing, and I think uh, we're the first at the university level to do this. Uh, I, we're developing a stress management and resilience training lab, and I think that's an important piece that we're going to see at at our elementary, middle school, high schools, universities, uh, a space where you can practice, uh, get hooked up to the biometric feedback, practice your breathing, regulate your breathing, find that coherence, and and have that space that you can practice uh, these things in a, in a safe space, in a quiet space. And it's something that, going back, I think Eugene referenced this, there might not have been that much uh, of this Resource, because I don't think people were talking about it. I think there was always mental health, but people weren't uh, being open about it. And I think we're we're seeing it. There's more openness about it, and then we're coming up with strategies to help all students be successful. And I think the stress management and resilience training is important. So thank you for uh, including that in, because I think that is an important piece we're going to hear more about. And I think when we think about ten years from now, uh, barriers. I I keep going back to. Finding the master, the the superhero educator, the master teacher, the rock star. Finding those teachers, recruiting those teachers, are going to be huge, huge barriers. I think there it's a crisis now, and I think it's going to continue to get worse. How are we going to find those teachers and recruit those teachers for our classrooms? I, I, so, 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 see, I think that's something that that every district struggles with. Um, Every district struggles with, and we all want the best of the best. And I think, and this is what gets me in trouble, the traditional job fairs, those things are becoming obsolete. Absolutely. Like, especially when I could get directly to the school without going to the job fair, um, those things are becoming obsolete. And so, one, you, you, want the, you want the best teacher, but two, how does the school promote 
themselves to attract True. the best teacher. So it's True. one thing to say, hey, we, like we want this teacher, but it's another thing for us to for a teacher to actually walk into your halls to feel like they want to be there. That's a great, great point. So the schools, which may they may never have had to do before, have to market themselves as something special, as something that in order to attract the best, you have to be the best and, and really talk about what that means to be here at our school. I like that a lot. I think that's, for schools doing that, they're gonna have a huge advantage of getting the best teachers. So it goes on both sides. You want people to come there, and then we also need to make it look like someone should be there. Um, now we gotta slowly, slowly, slowly wind down. We gotta take care of some good housekeeping. We First of all, we definitely appreciate you listening to the Superhero Education Podcast. We appreciate our live audience that is in the room right now. We appreciate you. Um, yes, we do appreciate you. A uh, couple things. The book, Superhero Educator, it's in stores right now, on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble. It's, it's definitely available for you to purchase right now. Steve, give them the uh, CUEM information. Yeah, I think, uh, thank you to the Center for Urban Education Ministries. The Center for Urban Education Ministries is is doing some great work at strengthening urban education across the country. You'll want to uh, see what's happening with them. You'd want to go to www.cuemnational.org and find out what they're doing and how you can be involved. Last but not least, check out the book, Gumble for the Soul, Volume 3, yours truly, wrote chapter 53 in the book. We want to encourage all educators out there. Hope you're inspired by the show today. Hope you have identified some barriers, educational barriers, or even personal barriers in your in your life. And hopefully listening to us will help you craft a plan to overcome those barriers. We are confident in you. And next week, you will have the best week ever in your classroom. We definitely appreciate you. This is the Superhero Education Podcast, and we are out. See ya. Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator.